0: Shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight, Basra Sashem, we're going to be continuing our series of teachings on the Balshamta HaKadosh, and tonight we're going to be speaking about the idea of equanimity. Of finding a balance in our lives based on the teachings of the Bashtakadush. Now, as we spoke about in the previous week's Shirim, each Shir is going to be a standalone Nakuda. But what I'm trying to do is also allow each Nakuda to build off of the previous week's Nakuda. So as we spoke about last week, that one of the Chidushim, that came down into the world with Neshama of the Baal Shemtov was the recognition that ultimately, as human beings, we lack all control with regards to what takes place outside of us. As was seen from a historical and sociological perspective that the world that the Besht arrived into was a world where the outside had stuttered and cracked and broken into a million little pieces and the hopelessness and the despair had begun to swallow the heart of the Jewish people. And as the Lubavitcher Rebbe told us, the Jewish people were now unconscious. They were in a slumber that was deeper than sleep. And what the Baal Shem Tov came to do was whisper the name of the Jewish people into their ears, whisper Yisrael into the ears of the unconscious corpse that laid in the broken shards of experience to tell us in, in a certain way that while we don't have any control over what happens on the outside, what we do have ultimate control over is what takes place on the inside. And this is what the tzaddikim mean when they say that the giloy of the Baal Shem Tov was really a giloy of the Bechina of Das, of, of inner knowing, of the ability for a person to cleave to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in their mind in spite of whatever might be going out on, on the outside. And as we spoke about last week, one of the nekudos, one of the points of Chiddush that the Besh brought down is that a person is where their thoughts are. That if you create the space within your mind to encounter goodness in the world in spite of all appearances that say otherwise, nevertheless, that inner point of the mind becomes the true anchor of reality to a point where what is going on in the outside ultimately doesn't make a difference anymore. We spoke about the very delicate cut that needs to be made between the Chiddush of the Baal Shem Tov and the klipa perhaps, of magical thinking, which tells us that our thinking can impart the reality that takes place outside of us. Now, as enticing and as romanticizing as that idea is, on a certain level, it's a Bechina of Avodah in the sense that a person feels that they get to create the climate in which we live. We have absolutely no control over the climate in which we live the power of Das that the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh reveals is that in spite of whatever might be going on in the outside, a person can create a Kodesh HaKadoshim in the kernel of their minds, where what is going on in the outside really no longer matters. And it doesn't matter whether it's true or not true, like we saw from the story at the end of last week's shir, how the Besht was willing to give over his chilek and olam haba if it meant comforting a Jewish woman's pain even for a moment, because ultimately that is the secret of Das. The secret of Das is to connect to knowledge in spite of the fact that the world and the outside appearances of the world are not aligned with the inner knowledge. This comes back to what we spoke about in the first year, which is that one of the nekudos that Revit Meyer Morgenstern speaks about, and other tzaddikim speak about it as well, is that the Baal Shem Tov was giving us a taste of the future. The Baal Shem Tov was Revealing an element of Torah, a Torah of atika stima'a, of an ancientness that is so ancient that it rests in the future. And even though that Torah is inaccessible to us at this point, nevertheless, the Baal Shem Tov came down to give us a taste of that. And that taste is the ability to live with a certain mindfulness, a certain centeredness that says, I don't really care what's going on on the outside. I don't care what my behaviors look like. I don't care what the reward or the punishment for those behaviors will be. I want nothing but you, Hashem. I don't care about your olam Habba. I don't care about your Gehenna. I don't care about the punishments. I don't care about T'chiyas mesim. I care only about you. And what we're going to speak about tonight is an element that is born out of that secret of mindfulness, that secret of Das. And that's going to be the secret of equanimity. Once we're armed with the awareness of what it means to think, what it means to center the mind, what it means to create within the self the deep belief that where my thoughts are is exactly where I am. And I guess now's a good time to add, uh, not a chiddush, but a nekuda that we spoke, that I didn't share last week. Lashon of the Baal Shem in all of its different places, whether it's from the Maggid or whether it's from the Toldus Yaakov Yosef, is that. shamhu, and the place that a person thinks, that's where they are. Now, shamhu, hu, who can mean the person who is thinking is found there. So wherever I think, that's where I am. And that's the basic form that we use to describe these ideas. But hu can also describe HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Is a way of referring to the other, capital O other, that is not present right now. So, in the place where a person is thinking, that's where HaKadosh Baruch could be found. It's not only that that's where I will find myself, but I encounter God within my thoughts and within my own heart. And so when we encounter God within our own thoughts, and when we encounter the promise of presence of mind in the face of the scattered brokenness on the outside, the best comes along and teaches us the next step in the journey. And this is what the Baal Shem Tov is going to teach us. In and we're going to look at two sources. But the first source is going to be in Savasarivash, Rivash, the will and testament of the Baal Shem Tov. Who wrote it? It's not clear historically whether it was from the Baal Shem Tov or not. By his hand, it's certainly the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov. But the idea is as follows in Os Beis. The Baal Shem Tov looks at the Pasuk from Tehillim that says, Shivisi ha HaShem Lanegdi Tamid. I have placed God in front of me always. Now this capital of Tehillim is of utmost importance, symbolized by the very surprising fact that it represents the first opening of the Shulchan Aruch. that this is one of the first elements that a halachically observant individual or anybody who is interested in the guide or the path of what it means to engage in the depths of Torah. They encounter Shavisi Hashem Tamid, they encounter the promise that a person must make that I will keep God in front of me always. Ravichamayr Morgenstern Shlita points out very often that the Vilnagon in his Hagos on the Shulchan Arach points out that this is not simply one of the ma'alos of the tzaddikim, meaning this is not simply a trait amongst other traits that tzaddikim utilize, but the Gra points out that this is the essential trait of what it means to be a tzaddik. That shavisi hashem lenegdi tamid is the essential crowning jewel of what it means to be an individual who seeks out God's presence in this world. To think of God always, in concealment and in revelation, in privacy and in the collective. That's how it's expressed in the Shulchan Aruch. Furthermore, it's part of the tikkun klali. Shavisi hashem lenegdi tamid is a capital of Tehillim that's included in the general remedy of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov that rectification, that medication, that healing power that is the quintessence of the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov, especially the teachings of Rabbi Nachman. So again, we see that Shavisi Hashem le'negdi tamid is a pasuk of utmost importance. But here is where the Baal Shem Tov lets us in on a radical secret, a misreading, so to speak, a deliberate misreading that only a tzaddik like the Baal Shem Tov could come down into the world to show us. I place God in front of me at all times. Shivisi Lushan The Besh says that I place God in front of me at all times, can be read as Hishtavus, as equanimity, as an equalizing factor, like the Lashon of Shav, where all things are equal. Behold Davar in every aspect of a person's life in everything. Hammura Hakos Shav Everything is equal in front of the person, whether it is something that a person is being praised for, or whether it's something that a person is being rebuked and embarrassed for. And so too with regards to every other thing. And the so too in every physical engagement whether a person is eating delicacies of this earth or whether a person is eating anything else. Everything will be equalized in front of this individual. Because this person has encountered the removal of the Yetzirah. <clears throat> and the Baal continues and he says, anything that takes place to an individual, a person should train themselves to say, This is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if in the eyes of Hashem it's okay, then who am I to argue? The The essential thing is that the intention of the individual should always be for the sake of heaven, wherever they may find themselves. When it comes to the individual, it makes absolutely no difference where I find myself. And This is a tremendously lofty level. So what the Baal Shem Tov is teaching us over here is that what it means to live with God-awareness, what it means to live with an awareness of the essential hidden nature of experience that burgeons within the interiority of the world, but is not found externally yet, is the ability for a person to say, wherever I find myself, whatever I encounter in this world, whatever experience comes my way, whether it's good and whether it's bad, whether it's joyous or whether it's sad, whether it's painful or whether it's pleasurable, there is no experience that cannot become the seat of encountering HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everything is equal in front of a person who has encountered this message of the Baal Again, connecting it to what we've spoken about last week. If the mind is the essential quality that gives experience its value. Then for a person who has truly encountered and truly tasted the power of thought, for a person who has encountered the fact that the Neshama Sheba is in truth, the deciding factor of how I judge experience in front of me, then there is no experience that is too far gone or too low in order to encounter HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because if I am the decider, if my thoughts are what influence the nature of my experience in reality, then I can choose to find Hashem everywhere. Now, this is a radical movement away from the typical depiction of what the service of God looked like and what human experience looked like. The very natural proclivity, the very natural tendency within the heart of each and every person is to find joy in joyous experiences and to be sad in sad experiences, and to be happy when things go smoothly in our lives. And again, each person is going to have their own relative value of what is smooth and what is crooked. But the typical way that we look at the world is that when things are good, I'm okay, and when things are not good, I'm not okay, I'm broken. What the Baal Shem Tov is trying to show us over here is that when a person enters into that palace of Das, that koydosh Shakadashim within their minds, It has the ability to transform every experience into good. It has the ability to transform every encounter that I have as a meeting place with God. It doesn't have to be in the base medrash, so to speak. It doesn't have to be when my mind is settled. It doesn't have to be when I see the light of goodness in the world. When I encounter darkness, when I encounter confusion, when I encounter the grimace of the real that forces me into the depths of anxiety within the heart, when I encounter those things that go bump in the soul, all of them, I have the ability to say, Hashem, this is okay also. Ultimately, it comes back to the simple blessing, the simple promise that the Baal Shem Tov's father made him promise before his passing. The Baal Shem Tov's father, Rabbi Lazar said, promise me that you will be afraid of nothing but HaKadosh Baruch Hu. nothing but Hashem. What that means is that if I am afraid of God, if God is the thing that is in the forefront of my mind, there is absolutely nothing else that can push me out of my inner space of comfort. There is nothing that can confuse me. There is nothing that is too frightening. Because no matter where I find myself, I can draw HaKadosh Baruch Hu into that place. Because the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not contingent on any external sign. It is simply dependent on my willingness to align my attention and my intention to the belief that God is present. Like we said last week in the name of the Kamar Rebbe, in the name of the Baal Shem Tov, that when a person finds themselves in the Hastara Shabbotecha Hastara, when a person finds themselves thrown to the brinks of hell, and the Kamar Rebbe used very strong languages, he said, I promise you, and the Baal Shem Tov brings this down also, and the Kamana Rebbe brings it down numerous times. He says, I swear to you, and this is a story that the Baal Shem Tov told to his son Rav Zvi, that there is somebody in this world who receives Torah from the mouth of a Kadish Baruch. Hu. There is a tzaddik in this world who experiences revelation directly from God, not from Malachim, not from Srafim, not from Olomos and not from Syros, but directly from God. But there is not a moment in that individual's life that they are not terrified that they will be thrown into the abysmal depths of despondency and hopelessness at the very same moment. How could it be? How could it be that you can have a person who can kiss the sky? You can have a person who encounters the depths of revelation, but at the very same moment they're terrified of falling into the abyss, the hopelessness of the abyss, or the apparent hopelessness of the abyss, because we know the Baal great grandson, Rabbi Nachman, teaches us that there's hope even in the abyss. But how could it be that a person can vacillate from the heights of the heights to the depths of the depths? It's only when a person recognizes that it is my experience, it is the shape of my thoughts that form my experience. If I'm with Hashem, then I can be receiving Torah from Hashem's mouth, but if I'm not with Hashem for a moment, I'm thrown into the depths of hell. The Kamarna Rabbi used to say that every hour of Shabbos, he came to the gates of death. Ad Sha'are Mavis. And he said he knew then because Shabbos was coming that commensurate with the incoming light was going to be the introductory darkness. But when the matter is contingent on our mind, when it's dependent on nothing but our machshava alone, there's no place that is devoid of Hashem. But the opposite is also true. I could be learning Torah 20 hours a day or whatever spirituality looks like for a person, but if my mind is not with God, if I don't have shavisi Hashem le-negdi-tamid, then I'm in hell. Who, like the Balshemtov, came along and revealed to people that your spirituality is in truth selfishness, that your perception of closeness to God is in truth you serving yourself? There's a story that, um, that I didn't share last week in terms of the, where your thoughts are, there you are but it fits into this as well. The Baal Shem Tov was hosting a Shabbos meal and there was somebody there, there was a chassid who was very vocal about his desire to eat food, L'Chavot Shabbos L'chavot Shabbos Kaddish. I'm eating for the sake of the holiness of Shabbos. And the Baal Vakadosh whispered to the person next to him, he says, you want to see something? And suddenly when the person looked, he saw a cow dressed in Shabbos clothes sitting at the table. And the chassid came to the Baal Shem Tov afterwards, he says, what happened here? He says, this person who claims that he's serving God through eating his meal is truly only thinking about the cow, is truly only thinking about meat. And like we said, you are where your thoughts are. So if this person is thinking about a cow, he becomes a cow. Chabad Lubavitcher Tzaddikim asked, but why was he still wearing Shabbos clothes? And Rav Hillel answers that Shabbos clothes have such a kedusha that they can't switch. So even in this person's descent into selfishness, they were still wearing Shabbos clothes. But again, the Baal Shem Tov came to create this revolution to show us that it's really not the content of spiritual experience that forms one connection, but rather it's the context. And this is how the Baal Shem Tov created a doubled experience of spirituality in the world. Before the Baal Shem Tov, God could only be found in the Gemara, in learning, in Shemir Sahalacha, in mitzvos, in encountering God through Amuna and Bitachon. After the Baal Shem Tov, a Kadush Hu could be found everywhere. He could be found on the street. He could be found in the tavern. He could be found in prison. He could be found amongst the ganavim, amongst the thieves, amongst the broken individuals, the illusion dwellers, those who found themselves broken and thrown away from Kedusha. This was the Balshemtov's Hevra. The Balshemtov wanted to hang out in the darkened forests of Ukraine, where he was able to transform demons into angels and despondent creatures into joyous creatures, because ultimately everything was dependent on the mindset of the individual. Now on a more practical level, what hishtavus might mean, with daiti And again, there's sometimes where shirim are Torah on a revealed level and tefillah on a concealed level. And there's sometimes when a shir is tefillah both on a revealed and concealed level. Everything that I'm saying, I'm speaking to myself. And it's a tefillah. It's a tefillah that, that the B'al Torah should allow me and anybody who's willing to eavesdrop that there is such a thing, there is such a teaching that can allow a person to find the Kaddosh Baruch Hu everywhere. Not simply in the good, not simply in the comfortable, not simply in the freedom from anxiety, but rather the ability to find the Kaddosh Baruch Hu in the depths of anxiety as well. The ability to find the Kaddish Baruch in a world on fire, in a world of confusion, in a world where everything seems to move opposite the true desire of Oivde Hashem and what we expect Hakaddish Baruch Hu to want from his planet and from his world. But Yeshinyan She'itab there is a secret, there is a teaching that transforms everything from darkness into light, and that is the secret of Hishtavus, the secret of equanimity the secret of all things being equal, of ultimately the outside does not have one iota of an impact on the inner state of my life. Nothing. I can encounter the most difficult darkness in the world, and I can encounter the loftiest heights, and nothing shifts from my awareness of a Baruch Hu. When a person is able to center themselves, when a person is able to create that innermost point of attention, and again, when a person actually tries to practice this, when a person tries to fight for a moment of Yishav hadas, a moment of serenity, a moment of heshtaavos, the kalvin, the chatsifin, the brazenest dogs, all of the thoughts and all of the emotions and all of the machshavas zaros that we are trying to run away from will come banging on our door. They will attack us. They will say, who gave this person the right to pretend that they're in charge of their thoughts now? Who gave this person the right to actually engage in the strength of their neshama? And the goal is to continue with Ishtavas, to see all of those thoughts as being equal. A good thought, a bad thought, it doesn't make a difference. Hashem is with me right now. Good food, bad food, joy, sadness, pleasure, displeasure, all of it is the same because it all comes from one place. And that is the secret of hishtavos. That is the secret of equanimity. What takes place when a person is able to say Shavisi Hashem Lenegdi is that there is a doubling of the plane in which we encounter Hashem. Before the teaching of Shavisi Hashem Lenegdi Tamid, meaning Hishta'avus, finding Hashem everywhere, the halacha is that you have to keep God at the forefront of your mind at any moment. And the implication is that when God is not at the forefront of your mind, you're not connected comes along the Baal Shem Tov and doubles the possibility of the presence of Hashem. He says, it doesn't really matter if Hashem is present in your eyes or Hashem is not present in your eyes. If you learn to see all things as being equal, if you can awaken within yourself, that stoicism, that deep, situatedness, which says, I don't care what happens on the outside, all I care about is how I react to the things that are going on on the outside. At that point, light and darkness both becomes the handmaidens of Kedusha. Hell and heaven both become the handmaidens of Kedusha. Because now I don't only find God in holiness. I don't only find God in the settledness of the mind or in joy. But I can find God in brokenness as well. I can find God in forlornness because Hashem is with me there as well. And who am I to argue? If the emotion I'm having right now is anxiety, great. That's a simon from HaKadosh Baruch Hu as well. And let me welcome Hashem into my anxiety. Let me say, hello, darkness, my old friend, and recognize that Hashem is there as well. The ultimate teaching of the bal Shem Tov Akadosh and our true tzaddikim is that even darkness is light. Ah, you thought HaKadosh Baruch Hu could only be found in attention and intention and holiness? No, no, no. Hashem is everywhere. There is absolutely nothing devoid of the presence of Hashem. We're always continuously going to return back to the fundamental underlying principle beneath all of the radical, psychological, redemptive teachings of the Baal Shem Tov, And that is simply that we all have access to the unbridled and unmitigated, annihilating unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence in the world. That is the underlying girding principle behind the Baal Shem Tov's teachings. The light of Hashem is found everywhere. Tzimtzum is not real. Now again, like we said, there are many halachos that dictate how we deal with such a truth. And there are limitations to the applicability of such a truth. And heaven forbid that my words are the, be misunderstood in terms of trying to explain the Baal Shem Tov's words. The awareness of God's and the infinite's presence everywhere is not, heaven forbid, a negation of all limitation. It's a transformation of limitation. It shows us how limitation itself is expressive of the unlimited. As the Balshem great grandson, Rabbi Nachman, points out from the Tikkun Zohar that halacha, the service of God according to the boundaries of the law, according to one's own individual understanding and situatedness, is roshe tevos hariyu lahashem kol haaretz, let me elevate the entirety of the earth to God. Whereas as Rav Soloveitchik points out so beautifully on halachic man, the entire concept of halacha is to transform mundane reality, broken reality, the abyss of this world, which seems to be the opposite of the infinite, to a space where the infinite can rest. That is shivisi. It's a doubling of the possibility of finding God. As a Maisa told by the Balatanya, and when I saw this misa. I believed it because I read it, but I was, I was so overly excited because I, I, felt, I felt that things that I had thought for a very long time were true. And I, I know I'm not speaking for myself, I'm speaking for, our, for all of us, anybody who feels driven to seek out the depths of the Balshemtov's teachings. Because like I've said before, that Panimiyas Torah and the inner teachings of Torah are only necessary for someone who has found the outside to be lacking. Someone who has found the outside, the chitzanias, to be insufficient. Somebody who finds the pleasure and the satisfaction that they need on the outside of things, ultimately will never have to break through the surface to find and uncover the light of the inside. But it's only those people where the outside has stuttered and broken and been hurt and bruised and where a person feels hopeless in certain areas, it's only then that a person is going to have to take their axe and enter into the icy forests of Russia and Siberia and Ukraine and break open the ice and find the mikveh inside of it. Only people who have found the outside to be insufficient for their spiritual thirst are going to descend into the depths. And the Balatanya tells him, he says that Hasidim, you want to know where Hasidim come from? Hasidim are those souls who have been sent to hell. And in hell, there's no allowance for encountering spirituality. Hell itself is the starvation of spirituality. It's the annulment of access to godly presence and to the awareness of Kedusha. And when these souls come out of hell, after they've been through what they've been through, after they have fallen to the place that they have fallen, they come back down to this world craving spirituality because spirituality has been taken away from them for so long, and they're going to look for spirituality everywhere. Ah, you say Hashem is found in the Torah and Tefillah and Emunah and bitachem. that's not enough. For a soul that has been starved of spirituality for however long their neshama has been in hell, whatever hell might mean, each person knows what hell is. When a person ascends out of hell again, they're going to fight to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu everywhere. It's not going to be enough to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the light. I have to learn how to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the darkness as well. And that's the secret of Hishtavus. But there is nothing that is too far gone to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in. The Baal Shem Tov teaches this teaching in another way as well. And this is going to be in Keser Zayin Tov. In the Kahas edition, which is, in my humble opinion, the best edition. It's, there's two Os Rashid Zion, 217, and this is the second one. And this is the Lashon of the Baal Shem. Even when a person is engaged in their mundane matters, a person should accomplish within their eyes and sustain within their eyes the promise of Shavisi Hashem of the Tamid. The Adavik Babayri Katana and a person should connect to themselves to Hashem even in the slightest amount of connectivity. And the parentheses here say, which means even in even in those constricted states of consciousness, which may I humbly express what it means nowadays in 2020 with a world on fire, means anxiety, it means fear, it means self-doubt, it means... Doubting everything from Alif to tuf, that when a person understands what doubt means, it's not a particular doubt, it's doubting everything. When the machshavah zara falls into a person's mind in Shemona Esrei, it's not, oh, maybe the pasuk shinim the brach shinim might not be applicable now. That's not the suffix. The suffix is maybe I'm not davening to anything. Maybe there's nothing. That's the nikudah of Safek. It goes down, it's Yared al tahom Chas V'Shalom. It breaks everything apart. But at that moment when a person is Noifel madre gaso Chas V'Shalom, the Besht is teaching us that if a person, even in the smallest amount of machshava, even in a machshava Katana, the slightest nikudah of a thought, a person can connect themselves to Alufo Shal Olam. A person can connect themselves to the annihilating presence of the infinitude of God that saturates and surrounds all things. There is no place devoid of the presence of God. And the Besht is telling us, and yes, this Katniss that we experience down here, of course, it's rooted in the teachings of the Arizal. Like we said, the Baal Shem Tov didn't come to argue on the Arizal. He came to reveal a new way of understanding the Arizal. As our Shemeyer Shlita points out in his meimer, Derech Chaim, the path of the tree of life, in Yama Chochma Tavshin Ayin, where he describes so powerfully in, in secrets that have been rooted in the six days of creation what the Iker Chidish of the Baal Shem Tov was. But the Baal Shem Tov was not coming to be Cholik on the Arizal, he was coming to be Megala and reveal a new level of the Arizal. And from the strength of that small remainder of godly consciousness that exists within a person, even when they fall into the places that they have fallen, just like we find with coals, as long as there is one spark that remains, a person can breathe on it until it becomes a great bonfire, a great conflagration. As opposed to a situation where the fire was gone completely and there would be no ability to awaken that fire. Again, the Balsham Tov is adding a certain chiddush here. He's saying that hestavus, equanimity, the ability to find presence of mind in any situation that a person encounters. The ability to live with the awareness that ultimately there are things that I can change and there are things that I cannot change. And that the thing that I can always change is how I look at the situation in front of me. If my mind sees Hashem, Hashem is there. If my mind is able to uncover that Aleph, that Alufa shal Olam even in the darkness, and that darkness becomes the place to serve Hashem as well. And what do I care what the difference is? Ah, it's a little bit more painful. Ah, the anxiety bites a little bit deeper. Ah, going to sleep is a little bit more difficult because there's so much going on and there's so much self-doubt and all of the things that go bump in the night. Mach batli. The Baal Shem Tov comes along and says, what do you care what the outside is telling you? All you need to do is work on the inside. All you need to work on is cultivating that innermost point of das. If you uncover that innermost point of das, everything else is taken care of. You are never in control anyway. There's not a single thing that takes place in outside reality from the biggest event in the world to the smallest movement of a blade of grass that is within your hands. All of that is seen in the original thought of a Kadosh Baruch Hu in Ma'asa as we're going to see when we learn about the best approach to Hashkacha Pratis. None of that is within our hands. The only Bechira that we have is how we see it. It's how we choose to align ourselves to uncover that Shivisa Shamlana Nagdita bain bain whichever way it goes, baeshuba <speaking in foreign language> mayim in fire or water, I'm going to connect to that innermost point. How is this possible? How could it be that a person can abandon everything that we know to be true? How can it be that we abandon the hierarchical order that we typically associate with light and darkness, good and bad, comfort and discomfort? So this is what I like to refer to as the secret of unknowing, the secret of coming to a place beyond knowledge, the secret of moving through all possible experiences of knowledge and ultimately arriving at the truest point of knowledge, which is that we know absolutely nothing. When a person is able to comfort themselves with the fact that at the end of the day, I have no idea what's best for me. On the outside, I have no idea. I have no say whatsoever in what I need at this very present moment. It's only when a person is able to relinquish the demand to control the outset of our lives that we gain access to the inside of our lives. The Baal Shem Tov says as follows, in the third teaching in Keser Shemtov, Tov, the second parish on the statement of Chazal Halavai oisi azvu vitarasi shamru. Halavai, it would be so good if you threw me away and you kept my Torah. The Besh says something remarkable here. He says as follows. Kitachlis hayadiyah shaleneda. Again, a statement that his great grandson certainly took and placed at the mantle of his teachings. Kitachlis hayadiyah shalaneda, the apex of knowledge, is coming to a place of not knowing. However, there are two ways of not knowing. There's one person who doesn't know immediately. He doesn't even enter into the investigation of the mind to try and know anything, because in the end of the day, I'm not going to know anything. But then there's a second person who investigates and searches out all forms of knowledge until they arrive at the point where they realize that I can't know. The difference between these two people, what's the difference, says the Besht, Masha l'mah Sh'nayim leda There are two people who want to know the king, two people who want to encounter godliness. One person enters in all of the storehouses and the rooms that are accessible to them on their way to the king, benefiting and taking pleasure from the storehouses and the palaces of the king. And then they arrive at the realization that I ultimately can't know the king. But there's another person who says, once I realize I can't know the king, what value is there in moving forward whatsoever? So he says, Halavai shah oisi At the end of the day, you'll all come to realize that oisi you can't grasp me. But Halavai you should hold on to my Torah. You should learn that you can't grasp me by entering deeper and deeper into the palaces of Torah. Because the apex of knowledge, the deepest element of what Panemius Torah is coming to teach us, is that in the end of the day, we can't know anything. But there is a positive experience of not knowing. When a person comes ultimately to the realization or when a person is forced into the realization that I don't know anything in terms of what's going on on the outside, that's when we're able to throw ourselves into the secret of Heshtavos. That's when we're able to say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, throw at me what you will. Place me where you will. Give me what you will. But I will never let go of the inner equanimity, the, the comfort of mind to know that you are there with me. I don't care if I'm in Gehenim. I don't care if I'm stuck drowning in the water. I don't care, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. All I want is to uncover you. Like we said in the name of Malka Meshicha, Gam ki Malka imadi. Even though I walk in the valley in the shadow of death, I shall feel no evil, for you are with me. Davon HaMelech is not asking Hashem to save him from the valley of death. David HaMelech understood that life is the valley of death. The Chidush Yarim has a remarkable teaching, which I read once, I promise I read it, and I've been unable to find it ever since. So anybody who could help me out with that would be greatly appreciated. He says that the thing about Davut HaMelech was that he loved walking along the boundaries of heaven and hell. That's where Davut HaMelech loved to play. That's where the laughter of Davra Melech came from. He loved walking on the very thin, the almost impeccably thin boundary separating Gehennom and Gan Eden. Because ultimately Gehennom and Gan Eden is contingent on one thing alone, and that is our conception of things. There's a maisa. I was trying to find a maisa with my good friend for, to, to support these teachings. And I had a hard time finding it in the Bashemta of Akadush himself. Although there are many stories about the quality of equanimity that the best experienced, where whether he was accosted by demons or celebrated by angels, the main thing was to find the presence of Akadush Baruch Hu. Whether he found himself encountering the Prince of Impurity or the Prince of Holiness, there was no difference in front of him. Working, learning, suffering, pleasure, all of it was the same. But it was difficult to ignore the story that truly embolizes this idea. And Baruch Hashem, it comes from the Baal Shem Tov's great grandson, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. The story which we're not going to descend too deeply into is the story of the Chacham and the Tam. The story of the wise individual and the simpleton and again, keep in mind that simplicity of the tam is very much like the second type of not knowing that the Baal Shem Tov described. Many people, when they read the difference between the simpleton and the, the wise person, think the simpleton is but a fool who ignores the value of knowledge, but that's not what the simpleton is. Ravichamaya Morgenstern and different tzaddikim point out that paschut is in keser. The loftiest level of simplicity is contingent on the level of keser the highest accessible point that we can access in our spiritual work. There was a difference between the wise man and the poor man and the simple man. The wise man sought out wisdom, the wise man sought out presence, the wise man sought out the available nature of God in this world. And he sought it out with all of his might and when God was present, he connected to that. And then there was the tom. then there was the simpleton who didn't seek out too much, who didn't spend his days trying to uncover the secrets of the universe, trying to understand the inner workings of what takes place outside of us. Because the Tam was capable of cultivating this power of equanimity, of shavisi, of everything is equal in the eyes of someone who is connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Rabbi Nachman tells the Maissa that this impoverished, tattered tailor, shoemaker rather, a cobbler, would try and make the best of shoes and he would fail at it. And he would say, wow, do I make the best of shoes? Oh, do I make an amazing shoe? And his wife would bring him stale bread and he would say, ooh, a delicious steak. And his wife would bring him water and he would say, ooh, delicious wine. And he would say to his wife, bring me my beautiful garment so that I can celebrate Shabbos. And his wife would bring him his tattered coat and he would say, ah, this is exactly what I needed. Now a person could look at this Tom and say, he's a liar, he's a fool. He's denying himself the nature of reality. He's stuck in imagination. Or what Rabbi Nachman teaches us, and what the Baal Shem Tov teaches us is that willingness to live in that place of imagination, that willingness to live in the place of Dimyon, which is the birthplace of Amuna, is the ability to say that ultimately makes absolutely no difference what is taking place on the outside. The only thing that matters is the way that I settle myself internally and the way that I look at things. That's not something that can be taken away from me. Like David Malkin Mashiach, he had everything taken away from him, everything. His kingship, his palace, his countries, everything. But at the end of the day, he still had his makel, He still had his staff. He still had his walking stick. And at that point, David Melech was king over the entirety of existence because David Melech was king over himself. He celebrated the fact that I am here right now, I could care less what is going on on the outside. That is the secret of shove. That is the secret of equanimity, the ability to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu no matter where we are, not to question what is taking place on the outside, but to face it and bend our head towards the waves and to realize that every experience offers itself one thing and one thing alone, and that is the ability to uncover HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence in that place. And in that way, we double our experience of Hashem. Like those souls who have been thrown out of Gehenim, who are so starved for spirituality, that we say, Hashem, your light is not good enough. We want to find you in the darkness as well. And the Hashem, we should be Zoicha to encounter again the the possibility of the Tfilah towards this level of Hishta'avos, towards Shavisi Hashem Lenegdi Tammid, that all things are equal in front of me. To end, and this is not necessarily a teaching. Of the Balshemtov, but it is a teaching of the Balshemtov, and the Ma'ase goes that it's a teaching that was directly experienced based on the teachings of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. The Chazon Ish writes in his letter to someone who is suffering, and he says, "Ein shum ba'olam, le'misha or There is no sadness in the world for someone who is capable of recognizing the light of lights. And Rav is said to have explained at a Purim Suda, at an unrecorded Purim Suda, that what this means is as follows, that there are two auras in the world, there are two lights in the world. There's the light of hatoi vahametiv, of thanking Hashem for everything that takes place, of seeing the good. And there's the light of dayan emes, there's the light of recognizing the difficulties in the world. And those are oros, those are two different lights but someone who comes to recognize the singular unified light behind both of those lights, or the light from which those two different lights emerge, there's no sadness in the world. And the Maisa goes, and the mice is argued upon, but the Maisa goes that what the Chaz is referring to is the light of Rabbi Nachman ben Fega. But someone who recognizes that light of light, someone who recognizes and tastes from the Hungarian wine of Rabbi Nachman, and the Baal Shemta of and our living tzaddikim, there's no sadness whatsoever because sadness is only shaykh to someone who bases their experience on the outside. There's pain, there's difficulty, there's suffering, avada. The Baal Shem was not coming to save the world from that yet. Mashiach comes to save the world from that. What the Baal Shem was giving us is the ability to live as if, to live in the dimyon, as if everything is okay. In Bezra Sashem, we should be zoychat to try and encounter again. The slight teachings of the Baal Shem Tava and Bezzer Sashem will uh, we'll meet next week for another teaching, for another teaching in Mid This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the A Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page, and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.